Just pray that uh, you would just uh, anoint today, bless today, uh, just make it uh, a day for your glory. Um, Lord, we try to live our lives that way every day, but uh, we're here uh, in your house and uh, we want to hear from you. And uh, Lord, as I uh, try to prepare week in and week out and uh, find out what you would um, really want said, uh, some weeks are easier than others. And so, uh, God, I do pray that you would uh, just get what you want said uh, across. Lord, I pray for uh, the different classes that are going on right now. I do pray for the youth meeting that went on this morning and uh, the different transitions that are happening. And uh, it's just that time of year. So, um, Lord, I do pray for um, the Passpoint class. And well, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people in the ministry here or helping over there and doing that. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would just continue to uh, bring us together around your word. Uh, that you would just uh, really change our lives from the inside out, that you would um, not just make this something that we uh, show up and and do every week, but it would be something that challenges us, that tries us, that uh, really desires to make us grow uh, to be more like you. So, uh, God, I do pray you speak to us this morning. I do pray for uh, the word that's going to be preached through Brian. And uh, we do thank you as it's a day that we recognize Mother's Day. And we do thank you for uh, the way that you've given us life. Uh, Lord, and you've allowed uh, these women in our lives to um, just put up with us. And uh, just uh, I do thank you for the mothers in our lives. So, Lord, I pray you just bless them. Uh, bless your word in Christ's name. Amen. If you didn't know, today's Mother's Day. You better text your mom. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so... Yeah. So I, I told your mom I really wanted you to get her a tomato plant for Mother's Day. And so... <laughs> We were going into Menards yesterday, and I'm like, you definitely should get your mom a tomato plant. So, anyway, she had like, if you didn't know, she had like 600 of them. So, <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, if you got your Bibles, open up to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. So, we are moving our way through uh, 1 Corinthians. We're not moving very fast, which is good. Uh, I, I kind of like it that way. I like to, you know, really hear what God's got for us. And so, uh, I don't have a whole lot of time to recap. But so, the book of First Corinthians, this is really weird with all these chairs behind me, um, is a book uh, that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Uh, because he had been there. He basically established the church. He was the first evangelist in town, uh, per se, that, and he, he got a church plant started, and he left them uh, doing their thing, and he went on like he always did, and he started hearing rumor that, hey, things aren't really going so well in Corinth, right? And so there's some different sin issues going on, and so the first couple chapters, he uh, he really just calls them out, and he, he very broadly casts the net, and he's just like, hey, y'all are not doing so hot, right? And then when you get to chapter 3, which is where we're at, he starts to more in-depth hit each individual subject, right? And so in chapter 3, he really starts to dial in on this issue. And he mentioned it in chapter 1, but he really starts to dial in on this issue of you guys are like, you're following men and you're like, well, I'm following Paul and I'm following, uh, you know, uh, Apollos, or I'm following Cephas, or I'm following, you know, and they're, they're, they're all prideful about it, and <clears throat> so he really starts to dive in on this deal in chapter 3, and then in each chapter following, he really kind of hits an issue, right, in, in a little more in depth. You know, we get to chapter 5, he starts talking about some fornication issues, and so we'll go through all those things, but anyway, we've spent quite a bit of time <clears throat> in chapter in chapter 3 already, and so there's been a couple different weeks, and so... Uh, Today, just kind of the title, if you want a title or whatever, is just, and we'll get to why it is that way here in a minute. But the the question I have for you is, how clean is your house, right? How clean is your house? And so it's probably not the best question to ask on Mother's Day. I realize that. But, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) 
it, it is what it is. So <clears throat> the last couple weeks, so two weeks ago or three weeks ago, however long ago it was, we, in the first uh, several verses, we went through what we called a, a carnality self-exam, right? And so he calls them out for being carnal, uh, for all these different things. And I just gave you a list of you know ways that you could ask yourself, are these things in my life? Because those are things that you see in a carnal type of Christian, right? And so go back and listen to all that. I don't have time to do it. And then last week, uh, he picked up in, in kind of verse 9, and he went through, and he kind of started talking about how we're all going to be uh, judged, right? And so uh, I kind of, I, I, I titled that God's building inspection process, right? And there were there were three different kind of inspections, right? So the first one is, you know, it, it, where's your foundation? You know, how is your foundation? And, you know, if you're saved, obviously, we know that that's taken care of. But if you're not, uh, there's there's one place you're going, and it's the great white throne. And then we spent a, uh, the, the second half of, or even more than the second half of last week, talking about if we are saved, I'm assuming that you guys are here on Sunday morning at, at 9 o'clock or, you know, whatever time we we start 9:30. You know, you're 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 saved. You're born again. You're doing your thing, right? And so, you know, we started talking about the judgment seat of Christ and what exactly that looks like. And you know, if you are saved, we will be judged, and we're going to be judged on everything we've done from the time we got saved moving forward, not on sin, but on our works, right? And so, you might be like, wait a minute, I didn't think it was about works. Your salvation has nothing to do with works. But basically, once you get saved, it's all about what you did for Christ moving forward. That's what you know. Base your, your glorified body is based on. That's how. Uh, you you receive crowns that you in turn are returning back to Jesus, and so we we talked about all those things, and we kind of dove into what things Jesus is going to be impressed with, right? And so good intentions, not so much, right? Uh, souls, that's a little that's that's more in his uh, department, and you know he he classifies those things as you know gold, silver, and precious stones, not wood, hay, and stubble. And so he goes through all that, and remember the context of the entire chapter is. He's trying to dive into this stop following men and just follow God. And that kind of, that'll kind of bring us to where we're at today. And so I just want to read through the first part of the chapter to get us where we're at. And then we're going to switch gears because today's a little bit different. And he says, And I, verse uh, 1 in chapter 3, brethren, could not speak unto you as in spiritual, but as in the carnal, even as in the babes in Christ. He's like, you guys are acting like a bunch of babies, right? I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are you... Uh, at, neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strifes and divisions, are you yet carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? He's like, really, you, you guys are acting like a bunch of kids here, right? Uh, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Paul's like, yeah, you're right. If you want to, if you want to talk about men for a minute, you're right. I was the guy who came and shared the gospel with you. I planted it. Okay. But I'm still nothing. And I'm telling you from the horse's mouth, I'm nothing. Apollos came after me and he did some good teaching. He's nothing. What we're trying to tell you is we are all serving one guy and it's not this guy, that guy, or that guy. It's the man, Jesus Christ. Verse 7, so neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Verse 8, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. That's where we get into what we were talking about last week. Verse 9, for we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master. Brother, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. Paul's like, I came in and I gave you the foundation. But honestly, it had nothing to do with me. Anybody else could have came in and told you the gospel the same way that I did. 
The point is, as long as the foundation is correct, you can move forward. But the foundation has to be Christ. So he's like, stop focusing on the man and focus on the man. So he's really hitting on this thing over and over again. Verse 12. Uh, now, if any man build upon this foundation. Now, he's talking about anybody who might come in and preach to you, right, from here on forward. But what he's really talking about is if you're going to try to grow your faith post-salvation. Because nobody else can do that for you. I can't be like, you know what, Caleb? I want to do some extra work for you, you know, to get you a little more clout with God. I can't do that, right? If you want to grow in Christ moving forward, it has to be on you, right? I can share the gospel with you and you can get saved, right? But from then on, I'm just using an example, right? From then on, it has everything to do with what you want to do to build upon that foundation. How do you want to grow? That's what he's trying to talk about here. See, so it says, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hair, stubble, these are things we talked about last week, every man's work shall be made manifest at the judgment seat of Christ. We talked about this last week, okay? Every man's work shall be manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is that if any man's work abide he hath built thereon, uh, thereupon he shall receive reward and if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved yet so is by fire. That gets us to where we are, right? You can build upon all of this. You can try to grow your faith but it has to be through Christ. And then we get to this part of the chapter and there's two verses and like, I believe that the Bible is perfect. I just do. I believe that God uh, made it exactly how he wanted it. I believe he has things in the order that he wants them. Like, all these different things. So when I come across something that I'm just like, that doesn't make sense to me, like, I have to ask myself why. You know, because if you go on, from there, he's just talking about, hey, stop focusing on the man, stop focusing on the man, stop focusing focus on Christ, do these things, stop following men. And then he, like, for two verses, he just stops, and he's like, just time out for a minute. And then he jumps right back into it. And so I'm trying to figure this whole thing out, right? And there's the context, right? And so sometimes you come across things that just don't fit in, right? And they just don't. Like you look at it and it's like, that doesn't make sense. I remember years ago, this is a lot of years ago, uh, my dad had skin cancer, right? He had, he got skin cancer. They had to go through and cut some stuff out. And like, he's, he's fine now, right? But in, in turn, because of that, my mom starts freaking out. Oh my gosh, you need to go get checked, Jason. You're outside every day, blah, blah, blah. And so my mom starts saying all this. So then my wife starts thinking, Jason, you really need to go and uh, get this stuff done. And like, so if you, if you notice, I have a lot of moles on my body. My dad does too. And it's just like, that's just the way I am. It's fine. Well, you, you got to go get all these moles checked out and whatever. So I'm like, fine, whatever, I'll go. So I go to this doctor and, you know, it's, it's this, uh, we're in Harrisonville, right? What kind of good care can you get in Harrisonville? I don't know, but there's this Russian doctor. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it really makes sense now. There's this Russian doctor who uh, is, he's, uh, we, it's a dermatologist. I don't know, whatever. I'm like, I'm here to appease my wife. That's the only reason I'm here. There's nothing wrong with me. But anyway, so like, whatever, do your thing. Uh, did you bring mom's phone? If you didn't bring mom's phone, she's going to, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's not good. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm at this doctor and he's like going through and he's looking at, like, if you look at my back, there's lots of moles on it. There's all these different things. He's like looking over my whole body and, you know, he's like pointing them out to Paige. It's like a, it's like a game to them. They're just like looking at all this. And I'm like, come on guys, get this done. And he, he says something. You can't hardly understand the guy anyway. And Paige can tell the story better than I can because she's got a better Russian accent than I do. But, uh, he, he, he's like, these are, I'm not even going to try to use the accent. But anyway, he's like, uh, no, nah, I, I can't do it. Uh, uh, he, he basically, he's like, uh, those two are zebra moles and he's going on and finally Paige is like, 
wait, what did you just say? And, and he's like, you know, a zebra. And I'm telling you, with the accent, it's really funny, but I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it for you guys. Anyway, so he's like, these these things, They and she's finally like, what is a zebra mole? Is that like some, type, some sort of like scientific term? And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, if you see a zebra in Africa, it's totally normal. But a zebra in Cass County, that's not normal. Something's not right here. So he points these things out as, as zebra moles. And I'm like, great. So now this guy's gonna, so anyway, like they, they, he's, there's like three of them on my back and they like want to go in and cut them out. And there's the awesome story about how he starts cutting these things out before I was numb. And he's like, oh, you feel that? And I'm like, yeah, I feel that. And he's like, I'll be a good sport. <laughs> you know, after they give me like more. Anyway, the whole point is sometimes you come across things that just aren't normal, right? And, as you're reading through this, and I like to make sure that the Bible makes as much sense as possible, and you come to these verses, and like these these don't fit in. What exactly is he trying to? What, what is he doing here? Like what? Why do these two verses? So the next two verses, he's just talking about all these different. You know, stop following men. You can build upon this foundation, but it has to be through Christ. Okay, then he gets to verse 16. He says, Know you not that you're the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, and the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? I like, okay, I, I totally understand those verses. Like, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, but they don't fit in. They don't make sense here. And so I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. And, and like, what does this really make? And, and God's like, God knows us better than we know us. Do you understand that? Like, God knows you better than you know you. He really does. Uh, he understands things better than, than you will. And, you know, he knows that at least some of us are, they're going to ask, because if you tie this in, you always have to think of context. Like, what is going on here? If you tie this into what's before, some of us are going to ask, okay, yeah, I understand I'm going to the judgment seat of Christ, but how's God really going to know everything that I did? How's he really going to judge me on everything I did? Like, there's somebody that's going to ask that question. They're going to be like, were you really there the whole time after I got saved? How do you? How are you really going to judge me on all this? And just... To answer that question very quickly in a couple verses, Paul's like, just let me explain something to you really quickly. He knows it all. (laughs) He has all of it figured out. So if you're the guy that's like, yeah, but nobody really knew about that. uh, He just very quickly says, yeah, but he did. Yeah, but he does. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that question. So really quickly, I'm going to throw these couple verses in there just to confirm to you that he already knew. And then I'm going to get right back to the point. And so sometimes when you come across the zebra in Cass County, there's a reason that it's there. And Paul's just very quickly trying to point out that, hey, there's a reason that I'm throwing this in there. And so he, he knew we were going to ask the question. So he gives the answer here before concluding the chapter. So switching gears now, that I because I, I really needed to explain to you why that's in there because I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, why is this in here? Why does this make sense? So switching gears to the point of what is here, right? Now we know why we're talking about a different topic for a minute, and that's the only thing we're going to look at two verses today, and I'm going to finish the chapter next week, okay? So why we're looking, you're talking about a different topic for a minute, here's another question I have for you. It gets back to the question, you know, how clean is your house? You know, you know, Mother's Day, and not really, but anyway. Uh, it, here's another question. Have you ever noticed, and this doesn't happen in my house, I, I don't know if this happens at everybody else's house, but this doesn't happen in my house. Have you ever noticed... And I'm sure the guys are going to be like, yeah, I noticed. And the, the ladies are going to be like, no, no, it's not like that at all. Uh, have you ever noticed that uh, having a quote-unquote clean house is relative to who's coming over, right? It's, it's, it's very relative to who's going to be around, right? Like, we're going home after church today, and nobody's coming over. And it's like the house is plenty clean for us to go home and hang out, even though we're not hanging out. i got stuff to do. But, you know, it's like, but if... 
you know, if mom's coming over today, all of a sudden, no, hang on, we got to go clean the bathrooms, right? Or uh, we've got to go do, <laughs> it depends on who mom is, but it, the, how clean your house is, is relative to who's coming over, right? If you've got com- somebody coming over to stay with you for the vision conference, Paige is out there like she's scrubbing the baseboards and I'm like, dude, I don't even, what are you doing? Like, we're out there scrubbing the windows from the outside looking and I'm like, who cares? Uh, it, it's clean. You know, to me, picked up as clean. Now to her, she's like, it's disgusting. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no clutter. It's perfect for me. I'm, I don't like clutter, but if it's... Yeah, I mean, it is, and that's the great, like you said, there's, there's the great divide. But, so anyway, have you ever noticed, though, that it really is relative, right? And guys don't agree because it's Mother's Day, but it's very relative to your wife, depending on who's coming over, how, quote, unquote, clean the house is, right? If the kids are coming over, it's no big deal. But, you know, if, if mom's coming over or, you know, if, if we're hosting like a dinner party or something with, you know, people from church, all of a sudden it's totally different, right? We're scrubbing like, you know, if, if, if my friend's coming over, it's different than if my disciples coming over or whatever. It's just different. I don't know why. I'm just telling you that it is, right? There are certain things in the world that you can know are true, but you don't know why they're true, right? I know that gravity is a real thing. If I jump off a building, I will hit the ground. Why it happens, I honestly don't know. I just know that I believe it enough to not do it. You know, so there's certain things in the world you understand are true, but you don't have to understand why. So anyway, that's the whole point here is like there's, there's, it's very relative. You know, and we talk about how clean our house is and this and that. So here's what I've got. I've got four questions today out of these two verses that will reveal that having a clean house is not so relative after all. If you want to write it down, you can. I don't have a ton of time. But four questions that's going to reveal, that will reveal that, that having a clean house is not so relative after all. And ladies, it has nothing to do with your house at home. So take a deep breath. Right? Guys, you ought to take a deep breath. She's going to send you home to clean, right? Because uh, it's Mother's Day, right? I turned the page already. I don't know. Uh, four questions that will reveal that having a clean house is not so relative after all. Right? It's not so relative after all. And so here's what we're going to get into. So we're going through this thing. He's calling these guys out for following men, not following God, all these different things. He's like, you've got to build upon this foundation that is Christ because we are following Christ, not because we're following men, not because we want accolades for ourselves, but we are following God. And then he gets to verse 16 and he says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defileth the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So we're going to talk about a couple things that you may have hit on a little bit in D1. You hit on a lot more in D2. And you learn to live out throughout life, right? So some of these things you probably heard, but this is where we're at. So here's your first question, right, in, in the first part of verse 16. Did you know, and hopefully you guys did, and if you didn't, it's okay. Did you know that God's house is your house? And I'm not talking about the one at home. You, you guys understand, right, that the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, lives inside of you. The second that you get saved, He's there all the time. Never leaves, doesn't come and go, indwells you forever, right? Will be there until the rapture or your death, one or the other. Doesn't go away, right? And you might be like, hang on a minute. No, in the New Testament... When you get saved, the Holy Spirit is there all the time, right? Indwells you. When it talks about, he says, know you not that you are the temple of God. The temple is what? That's where God lives, right? It is a permanent dwelling place. The temple is where God lives. So when it says, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, meaning your body, this 
this bag of skin with bones in it, right? The Holy Ghost lives inside of it. That is God's dwelling place from now on, right? And so I don't want to go through a whole bunch of verses. If you want to uh, get a little deeper into this, we can verse the heck out of this thing. But uh, I just want to give you some details on it, and then we're going to move on. So in the Old Testament, where did God live? It was the tabernacle, right? They're going along and he tells, you go to almost the entire book of Exodus. He goes through and he's just like, you've got to build a place for God to dwell. And, you know, they carried around this this tabernacle, this tent, and God would dwell in it, right? And the the Ark of Covenant would go in it and there was the holy place. And you can go through the book of Exodus and it talks about what it needs to look like and what it's going to be. Then you get into the book of Leviticus and it talks about what all the sacrifices need to look like and how holy you have to be and the priest to make all this thing In the Old Testament, he lived in the tabernacle, right? And then you get a little farther into the Old Testament, and they finally have the land, and then what happens? You know, David's like, you know what? I'm going to build God a real house. No more of this circus tent thing going on. I always think of a circus tent. I don't know why, but, you know, no more of this tent thing. I want to build God a real house, and it's going to be a good one. And God's like, David, that's a really good idea, but guess what? You're a man of war. You can't do it, but I'll let your son Solomon do it. And David's like, well, okay, that's fine, right? So Solomon builds the temple, and it's great, man. And it's like a permanent, amazing dwelling place, right? And so in the Old Testament, it was the tabernacle, and then it was the actual temple, right? And so that all plays out. We understand that they come in and, you know, uh, you want to get a little deeper into your Bible history. They come in and they, they sack the temple and, you know, they steal all of the, the, the things that are in the temple. But the, the dwelling place of God is still either the tabernacle or the temple. But then the New Testament rolls around and God's like, we're going to change things a little bit. And understand, now this might get confusing for a minute, but I don't really have time to explain it. The New Testament, even though your Bible says it starts at the beginning of the book of Matthew, doesn't really start until... Acts chapter 1, right? It doesn't really start until or uh, is until Pentecost, right? When Jesus actually is, is crucified. Some people will say it happened at the crucifixion. We're talking about when the indwelling of the Holy Spirit actually happens. When the Holy Spirit falls on people, that is when the New Testament, a new testator has taken place, right? So that's when this thing actually happens. In the New Testament, the, the dwelling place of God is where? It's inside the believer over and over and over again. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he goes into more uh, uh, in-depth when he says this thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, I'll flip over and read it to you because it's only like on the next page. Um, it says what? This is a memory verse in D1 if you guys, you should know this. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God and you are not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. The first thing you need to understand is like God lives inside of you all the time. In the New Testament, he's there all the time. It's not like the Old Testament. He's there. The the dwelling place of God is inside the believer, right? Now, I don't really want to get into this. We can get into this more in depth and personal conversation, or you can come to D2 next year. starts in September. Uh, After the rapture, this all changes again, right? Because it's a new dispensation. And it all happens differently. But for the age of grace that we live in right now, the, the, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. Okay? So that's what we're talking about. So that's your first question. Did you know that God's house is your house? He lives inside of you. Most of you guys, all of you probably knew that. Okay? So what does that mean? So go on. The second question in verse 16. He says, Know you not that your body is a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So we understand God's house is you. Right? Your body. That's God's house. God's Spirit 
lives there all the time. Your second question is, did you know that God was coming over to stay? Did you know that when you got saved, some people did understand this, but some people didn't. Did you know that he was coming over to stay? Right? It's like, you know, guys, sometimes, you know, your wife and uh, praise God. And I know I'm not just saying this tongue in cheek. I, I really do love my family that I married into. But some guys, they're just like, they cannot stand their in-laws, right? You know, the wife's like, oh, yeah, my mom's coming over to stay. And, you know, the first question the guy's like is for how long, right? And I'm like, I, it is what it is. But, like, that's the question. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know. And so that's kind of the thing. Did, did you know that God was coming over to stay? You get saved. Did you know this wasn't just a... Well, while I wanted him to, he, he's there all the time. God's coming to stay, right? In the Old Testament, and I keep comparing this thing because it's different. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on a man and leave. He would come and go. The Spirit of God didn't come and stay. He didn't come and indwell. It would, you know, you would, you would read about the angel of the Lord coming and, and doing this, or he would come and he would go. Think about Gideon and he, he prays and he's like, God, just bring your, your spirit one more time. And all these different times, and I was going to list a whole bunch of references and I knew I wasn't going to have time. So, but again, it, it was almost like a tavern. He would, he would come and go. He would, he would come down and then he would, he would leave. He wouldn't stay. But when you get to the New Testament, he comes and he stays. It says that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit is going to come inside of you and it's not going anywhere until you either die or you get raptured out of your one or the other. Now, you might be like, well, what happens if I go back living like hell? Well, you're taking Jesus to do it with you. How's that feel? Right? Well, what happens if I don't want him to be there? Well, again, can't change it. Right? We understand that uh, you cannot lose your salvation, right? There is no working for it. Once you get saved, you're saved and you're, you know, there is no getting unsaved. Now, you can... You can backslide. You can quench the spirit. The Bible says you can. You can even uh, have what the Bible calls a seared conscience, meaning you've done the wrong thing so many times that like it's just seared off. You don't even feel it anymore. You know, it's one thing to like you, you poke yourself with a needle and it's just like, man, that that hurts, right? But you know, you poke yourself with a needle enough times, or, or a better example would be like you try to learn how to play the guitar. And it's like I don't want to do this because it makes my fingers hurt, right? But you do it long enough and you build calluses. Right? And then you don't even feel it anymore. You're just, you know, doing your thing. You're just picking and grinning, right? You're doing your thing. But you don't feel it anymore. The same thing happens with your conscience, right? You can do the wrong thing so many times to where your conscience becomes seared. At first you feel it and you feel the prick of God, but you do the wrong thing enough times and you're just like, that's not really that big of a deal. I don't even feel the pain anymore. Right? And you can do that. That doesn't mean you lost your salvation. The Bible even clarifies it when it talks about a seared conscience. But the point is, God's there to stay. Did you understand that He was coming to stay all the time? Now again, after the rapture, just in case you're wondering, not trying to plug D2, but I am kind of plugging D2. Come back in September we can go through what happens. But after the rapture, it all changes again. Right? Salvation happens differently. The the Holy Spirit, He comes and goes. Right? The Spirit can come and dwell a person, you know, through the tribulation period, but it's just for a time, then He leaves. Right? Now it's it's like it was in the Old Testament where it salvation is based on works. Right? It's not like that in the, in, in in the age of grace that we live in, but it is like that. You know, it, it's it's all based on. Well, what did you do, and is it good enough to get you there? That's how it was in the Old Testament. It was, it was you, you, you were saved by faith, not through faith. And so there's this small time that we live in where it's super easy, right? All you got to do is believe and confess and just live for Him. Perfect. But it's, it's not going to be that way. So did you know that God's house is your house? Did you know that God was coming over to stay? Because He is. He's there all the time. The next question you got to ask yourself in verse 17 is, are you taking care of God's house? So now you know... My body is the temple. He lives inside of me and he's there all the time. How am I taking care of this thing? In verse 17, he says, if any man defile the temple of God, 
Him shall God destroy. Now, if you were just reading this verse on its own, you'd be thinking, well, what are we talking about? The Old, the Old Testament temple? I'm talking about your body. If any man defile the temple of God, if any man is defiling his body, what does it say? It says, him shall God destroy. How can you defile the body you live in? Well, it can be a lot of different ways, right? You know, self-pain, all those different things. But we're talking about like things that you see that you ought not, things that you do that you ought not. Things that you know are unholy that you're doing, that is defiling the temple of God. God lives inside of it. You're dragging him through all the stuff that you're doing, and you're like, well, he hasn't he called me out on it yet. I mean, you better just understand this is grace, right? This is grace. I know a lot of people that have done a lot of things that they shouldn't have, and I've seen it go both ways. I've seen God finally come to bring the hammer down, and I've seen people like finally come to the realization that, oh my gosh. I've got it. If I don't change now, God's going to bring the hammer down. And they're just totally broken and they're totally repentant. And, you know, it's really sweet to see somebody like that. You know, too often the world wants to cast stones. It's like, yeah, that guy, he's a, you know, he used to do this or he used to do that. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord, he's not anymore. You know, praise the Lord, he's living for me now. You know, I, I would rather, you know, what's it say? Uh, the heaven would, uh, they rejoice over one sinner that repenteth, man. You know, I, I would rather see one guy get it right than a hundred guys show up at church every week and get it wrong, you know. It's just like the Pharisees. Who cares? You know, I would rather have a, you know, the, the church is a hospital for the sick. You know, that's what we're here for. That's what we're doing. And so, did, are you taking care of God's house? And the thing that kind of kept coming to mind with this is, and, and I'm, I am this way, so don't think, don't get me wrong, but there are people that like will get all bent out of shape if you do something to the American flag. Or you can take anything, but this is just one thing that comes to my mind, right? If I see somebody like just trampling on the flag, that's not cool with me, right? We're blessed to live in the country we live in. I, people will, I mean, that's them, like fighting words, right? You, you're going to do something like that? You're going you're gonna to trample on my flag? You're going to burn my flag? You're going to do... That, that's something that's worth standing up for, right? Uh, are you willing to stand up for the same thing for what God's done for you? You know, too many... Too many quote-unquote Christians are, are willing to die for the flag, right? And I'm not talking about like their country. I'm talking about the flag. And I'm just using this as an example. You can use anything. But they're not, they're not really willing to do anything for, for God's house, right? Oh, I don't, I don't really care what I do with my body. I don't really care what I look at. I don't really care what I see, what I listen to, what I fill my body up with that, you know, Jesus Christ lives inside. I don't really care about that. You know, but you're not going to talk about my flag. You're going to talk about like that. Come on now. Right? What what are you willing to stand up for? And make sure that the things you're willing to stand up for, and I'm not saying that standing up for the flag is wrong because I'm the same way, but you better make sure you're willing to stand up for godly things as well. Understand that God indwells you. He is there all the time. It's awesome to know when you're in a hard situation, and she's like, I don't think I can do this. And then God gets you through it, and it's like, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost inside of me. I could charge hell with a squirt gun right now, right? That's awesome to know. But then... You have to understand the same thing is true when you're doing something that you ought not be doing. And you're like, well, I don't really want him to be here right now. Well, guess what? He's there. The same way he was there when you needed him to be, he's there when you were hoping he wasn't. Right? And that's what you have to understand. Are you taking care of God's house? Right? The body that he gave you is there to glorify him. What are you doing with it? How are you using it? What are we doing? Right? He says, any man uh, defile the temple... Notice it doesn't say destroy, it says defile. There's a lot of things you can do to defile your mind, your body, right? There's a lot of things you can do, and I'll let you fill in the blanks because we don't have times, right? And then the last question we got, are you taking care of God's house? The last question, he goes on to say in verse 17, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are, 
right? The temple of God is holy. And your last question, how holy is your temple? How holy is your temple? It says that God's house is holy. If you go back to Exodus, you're going to find out how strict and stringent the, the things were about the tabernacle being perfect. It gets even more so when he's telling Solomon, it's got to be this many inches. It's got to be this type of gold. It's got to be this type of wood, right? We, we build a lot of things, and sometimes it's like, well, that's not available anymore, so you're going to get the next best thing, right? Because that's how we do things, right? Uh, no, God says it's going to be this or nothing. That's how this thing... How holy is your temple? God says, hey, these in the Old Testament, it was like they had to be perfect, and we get to the New Testament, we're like, yeah, well, God lives inside of me. It's no big deal. It needs to be perfect, or another word for that, it needs to be holy, right? And too often we think, well, holiness, it's not achievable, right? Only God is holy. Only God can do those things. And uh, somebody read First First Peter 1, verse 15 and 16. Somebody read that for me, and I'm when you get there, let me know. But What? Oh, it's just, oh yeah. First Peter, Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy for I am. It says, so the guy who called you is holy, meaning Jesus Christ, and then he was he say? He says, be ye holy as I am holy. You can be just as good as he was because he lives inside of you. Now the lost world gets this all twisted up and they're like, well, I can be as good as Jesus. No, you can't. You can't even be as good as Adam was, right? The problem is we get it all confused. Now, when you're a New Testament believer, you have Christ inside of you. You're changed. You are now a little Christ. You can be holy as he is holy. Now, does that mean perfect? No, we've got skin on. But it does mean that Christ inside of us is perfect. That's what that means. What's interesting is the verse doesn't say actually as I am holy. It says for I am holy. Yeah. Yeah, he is holy. You have to be holy. If you're going to have him inside of you, that's what you are now. So when you look around at Christians and you're like, well, that's not holy. Well, guess what? That's a carnal Christian. It goes back to what this chapter's been talking about. You're carnal. You're not acting like Christ. You're not doing the things you're called to do. And you're not living up to the standard of what God's called you to be. Right? There's a book, and I don't like a whole lot of books, but there's a book called The Pursuit of Holiness. It's a really good... I, I don't read a whole lot of books, but I've read that one, and I, I don't recommend much of anything. But uh, I would recommend that book because you find out how far off you are from God's perfection and holiness, and he tells you, you need to be the same way. right? And so this whole chapter, he's talking about, man, you got to quit following this guy and that guy and trying to impress that guy or well what about this other guy he came in and he had some new awesome sermon to preach right or we get that way sometimes somebody comes in and we're like well i don't really like the way that guy taught you know and then somebody else comes in and it's like man i could listen to that guy every week well guess what it has nothing to do with the guy because the guy's just following the same guy that your pastor's following his name's jesus right so stop getting too caught up in the person and get caught up in what the person is calling you to do which is be like Jesus, right? And so he goes through this whole thing. That's what the whole chapter is talking about. But, you know, he's like, hey, if you want to build upon this foundation, you can do it. But they need to be godly things. And he's like, just in case you were wondering, I'm there for all of it. I'm there for all of it, right? It might seem out of place that I'm talking about the temple here for a couple of verses, but the whole point is I knew you were going to say, well, did God really see me do that? Did he really, was he really around when I thought that thing? Was he, yeah, not only was he, he he's inside of you. He lived it, right? 
You think about the things in the agony of Christ on the cross, and it's like, yeah, well, I mean, I, I did some bad things, right? And, you know, even I think about people who grew up in church. Like, people like me, I lived in the lost world for for a number of years. I did a lot of things that, like, I put Christ on the cross. Like, I will raise my hand and say I did that. I think about, like, church kids, right? And a good example would be my, my daughter who grew up in church, right? And, you know, or somebody who, you know, you hear the testimony of, what? I just using her as an example just for a second, but anyway, <laughs> the whole point is I think of somebody who like grew up in church, and it's the difference between a first generation Christian and a second generation Christian, right? And and the difference, and it's easy for me to think I put him on the cross, but it's it's not as easy for somebody. It's like, well, I never like lived the bar life. I never lived the you know crazy fornication and adultery. I didn't I didn't do all of that, you know. And yeah, you know, I think about those kinds of things and. You know, it would be easy for that type of person to be like, yeah, I understand Christ died for my sins, but like, you know, I was maybe a little self-righteous or, you know, I was maybe a little prideful, but like, I didn't have any, understand that Christ died for everything that you did and everything you were going to do, right? And so Christ understood the things that you were going to drag him through, even as a believer, right? And all that was covered under the blood. As he's agonizing on the cross, it's because he knew that I was going to drag him through things that I ought not drag him through, right? And so just think about those things as, as, as you minister to people who maybe aren't from the same background that you are. Guess what? The blood of Christ covered it all. And that's the whole point here is he's like, stop following men and understand that Christ is what we're doing here. And it's, it's not a, a coincidence that this is the, the first the main thing that he calls out at the church at Corinth, right? There's some other things. He could have went to uh, chapter 5. You know, we think fornication, oh, that's terrible, right? Uh, most of you guys know it, but there's a guy that's been sleeping with his mother-in-law, right? And so, and he calls it out right there in, 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 in the text. And it's like, that's messed up, right? That's not the first thing that he calls out. He calls out, stop following men and follow God. Be focused on the thing that you need to be focused on. And he addresses each sin issue one at a time and he goes through it. But it understand, the blood of Christ is all we need to focus on, right? And going back to the vision conference, thinking uh, back to the night that uh, Dan Renault spoke, right? He's just like, sometimes instead of like charging hell with a squirt gun, we need to take a step back to the cross and remember what Christ had to do to get us to where we are now. You know, we're all, and Brian Hedges is this way, we've got to be moving forward, we've got to be charging forward, we got, we do, but don't forget where you came from. You know, don't forget where you were. It really brings a, a humility into your life. So uh, go back to these things, you know, how clean is your home? Like, understand that God indwells you, right? And there's not a coincidence that these verses are here. We'll finish up the chapter next week. Uh, we'll keep pressing forward. Uh, one thing I forgot to announce in the announcements, uh, uh, Brian texted us, and I, I forgot to say it. Uh, there's a fifth Sunday this month. Um, so you guys, it's the Lord's Supper. There's no 9 o'clock service at all uh, for that. So it's just 1030 service that day. And it's actually that way for the, the rest of 2022, just so you know. So uh, on the fifth Sunday, there's only service at 1030 just for the rest of the year. So until he changes it. But for now, that is there's nothing at all. Usually we do something together, but we're not doing anything. There's just one service at 1030. It's to give everybody kind of a break, a ministry a break, just everybody a little bit of a, a breather. And so anyway, that's that's the deal until it changes. So for now. No, I didn't. There's a ministry training. Real quick, announce that and then we'll pray. Yeah, so this is in your bulletin, ministry-wide training. Anybody who works in the children's ministry or has a desire to potentially work in the children's ministry, please attend. Uh, if you do have children, please try to organize a sitter if you can. 
Uh, if you if you don't work in the ministry or don't have children, offer to watch children for people if you could. Um, yeah, outside of church child care because it's we think it'll be good. The workshop style will have lots of fun. We'll have door prizes, lots of stuff. But I think it'll be essential for the ministry on getting everybody equipped and on the same page for what we're doing and our vision. So yeah, so yeah, get that on your calendar. All right, let's pray and. Uh, We'll get going. I've got to be somewhere five minutes ago. So uh, let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word, Lord. I do pray that you would just uh, continue to uh, just bless us today. Um, you you really are good to us, Lord. I pray you just give us all uh, some time with our parents today, with our mothers. Uh, we would really just... Uh, uh, appreciate uh, the things that they go through for us, and uh, I think of uh, just the things that I put even my mom through uh, over the years. And so, uh, Lord, we do uh, we do thank you for that. Thank you for uh, just uh, giving us all uh, somebody to bring us into the world and the life that you gave us through Christ. So I pray that you just use these things that we talked about today to uh, just try our hearts and to grow us up even a little bit more like you, because uh, you've called us to be holy. So I pray you just bless the service as Brian preaches, uh, bless the baptism, uh, and just the public profession, Lord. And I pray you just get the honor and glory from all of it in Christ's name. Amen.